welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Let's read from Deuteronomy, chapter 12. These are the statutes and rules that you shall be careful to do in the land that Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess served their gods, on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and burn their asherim with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. You shall not worship Yahweh your God in that way. But you shall seek the place that Yahweh your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, and the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock, and there you shall eat before Yahweh your God. And you shall rejoice, you and your households, in all that you undertake, in which Yahweh your God has blessed you. You shall not do, according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For you have not as yet come to rest, and to the inheritance that Yahweh your God is giving you. But when you go over the Jordan, and live in that land that Yahweh your God is giving you to inherit, and when he gives you rest from all your enemies around so that you live in safety, then to the place that Yahweh your God will choose, to make his name dwell there, there you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution that you present, and all your finest vow offerings that you vow to Yahweh. And you shall rejoice before Yahweh your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male servants and your female servants, and the Levite that is within your towns, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. Take care that you do not offer your burnt offerings at any place that you see, but at the place that Yahweh will choose in one of your tribes. There you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I am commanding you. However, You may slaughter and eat meat within any of your towns, as much as you desire, according to the blessing of Yahweh your God that he has given you. The unclean and the clean may eat of it, as of the gazelle and as of the deer. Only you shall not eat the blood. You shall pour it out on the earth like water. You may not eat within your towns the tithe of your grain or of your wine or of your oil or the firstborn of your herd or of your flock or any of your vow offerings that you vow, or your free will offerings, or the contribution that you present. But you shall eat them before Yahweh your God in the place that Yahweh your God will choose, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite who is within your towns. And you shall rejoice before Yahweh your God in all that you undertake. Take care that you do not neglect the Levite as long as you live in your land. When Yahweh your God enlarges your territory, as he has promised you, and you say, I will eat meat because you crave meat, you may eat meat whenever you desire. If the place that Yahweh your God will choose to put his name there is too far from you, then you may kill any of your herd or your flock which Yahweh has given you as I have commanded you, 
and you may eat within your towns whenever you desire. Just as the gazelle or the deer is eaten, so you may eat of it. The unclean and the clean alike may eat of it. Only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you shall not eat the life with the flesh. You shall not eat it, you shall pour it out on the earth like water. You shall not eat it, that all may go well with you and with your children after you, when you do what is right in the sight of Yahweh. But the holy things that are due from you, and your vow offerings you shall take, and you shall go to the place that Yahweh will choose and offer your burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood on the altar of Yahweh your God. The blood of your sacrifices shall be poured out on the altar of Yahweh your God, but the flesh you may eat. Be careful to obey all these words that I command you, that it may go well with you and with your children after you forever, when you do what is good and right in the sight of Yahweh your God. When Yahweh your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, take care that you be not ensnared to follow them, after they have been destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire about their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods, that I also may do the same? You shall not worship Yahweh your God in that way. For every abominable thing that Yahweh hates, they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. This is the word of the Lord. Maybe the major point in this chapter for our families to learn from is going to be the theme that we are not to worship God however we want. Right, you'll pick that up in a couple of different places as we go through the chapter. So hold on to that one, and we'll come back to it as we go. So again, be careful to do God's commands in the land that he gives you, as he's promised to your fathers, the same things we've heard in pretty much every chapter of the book so far. Destroy the high places. So the places where the nations that you're dispossessing, the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Jebusites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, they worshipped false gods in this land. Destroy those things. If an idol remains, destroy it. The pillars, the monuments that they erected to these gods, destroy them. The asherim, which is like a sometimes a pole, maybe a, even a, a tree that would be used again for worship of Asherah, the goddess destroy these things. Anything connected to cultic worship, destroy it. Do not let these things remain. They were often high places where pagans would worship because they believed that by being higher up, they were closer to God. Their God, whichever God, all the gods, however they saw that. Destroy these things, chop them down, cut them down, destroy them. You shall not worship Yahweh, your God, in that way. It's not just the pagan God, but even the practices connected with the pagan gods. Yahweh is holy, he is distinct, he is not like another, and he will not be shared with another. Do not worship the way the world does. I think we can safely say from that that our worship as Christians 
should not look like the world around us. As we ponder what our idols are, entertainment is a giant idol for us. And living life by the screen is an idol for us. Having a TV, a monument to the God of TV, entertainment, pleasure, hedonism, in our homes is an idol to us. And if that's the world, one of the world's idols, we're not to worship that way. This is a major blow to those who want to worship God on their TV. I don't have to go to church. I can sit at home on my couch and watch, watch church on YouTube. That's worshiping the way the world worships. It is not good. Instead, we have Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, where God commands us to not neglect the gathering. We are the body of Christ. You cannot be the body separated. If part of the body is removed from the body, left aside, it will die. It must be immediately resumed, attached. Again, the body of Christ comes together often. The early church did it every day, and then they encouraged us to do it even more as the return of Christ draws near. Lord, help us to do such a thing. The scriptures won't give us a specific pattern for worship to follow. The historic liturgy the church has used for the last roughly 2,000 years is a beautiful thing in many ways, one of the most of which being it's pretty much all scripture and the pastor speaks God's word to you and you reply to him with more of God's word and God uses his word to feed us. And this is good. It's not the only way. I do think it's the best way, but it's not the only way. The thing to notice again in this chapter, though, is just that we can't worship however we choose. It's not not just up to us. The Lord is holy, and our worship of him should look holy. It should not look like the world. All right, verse 5, You shall seek the place Yahweh your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name. So you can ask your children, where, where is that? Where will God put his name? Where does he choose for his people to go to worship in the future? That place is Jerusalem what will be the capital of the southern kingdom of Judah in the future time. That will be the location for them to go. And so the Jews for generations afterward will make pilgrimages at three times a year, including Passover, which is what we see in the Gospels as Jesus goes there too. And it leads to Holy Week and his crucifixion. The things that Moses says there in verses 5 and 6 are Levitical things. You can find them in the book of Leviticus. What are your burnt offerings? Leviticus 1. The other sacrifices follow in chapters 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Your tithes, chapter 27. Your vow offerings, those vow and free will offerings usually mentioned together in Leviticus. You can see them in chapter 7, 22, 27. Firstborn. All these things are, again, Old Testament commands. God has already given them. And they shall do this in Jerusalem. Yahweh has blessed you. All the provision that God has given. 
So don't do according to what people do today, everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. That's like the condemnatory phrasing at the end of the book of Judges, that there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And when you read those last three-ish chapters of Judges, it's awful. I mean, horrible stuff. We wonder how they could possibly do such things. That's what the sinful nature wants. When we follow our, our heart, as the common world advises us to do, it leads to our destruction and our destroying of others. But when you go over to the Jordan, when you live in the land Yahweh will give you, and he gives you rest from all of your enemies, he will pick a, pick a place, he'll make his name dwell there. So again, Jerusalem will be that place. The temple will be built there and completed and dedicated. I believe 961 is the correct year. Uh, if, I, if it's not, it's off by just a year or two in one direction. So 961-ish is when the temple will be built. Until that point, the tabernacle, the house of God, will dwell in the city of Shiloh. From Joshua chapter 18 onward up until when the Philistines capture it and then David seeking to bring it back, eventually brings it to Jerusalem. But the temple is built a generation later by his son Solomon. You shall rejoice before Yahweh. You, your sons, your daughters, male servants, female servants, everybody rejoices. The Levite in your town as well, as he has no portion or inheritance with you. The Levites are going to end up scattered throughout the land of Israel. The priests scattered throughout the kingdom so that they can teach God's word, his commandments, to the people. Help them learn, help them trust, help them follow. There is a similarity in that to pastors today scattered throughout the the land, not necessarily connected to their, their family of origin anymore, but going to a faraway place so that they can keep keep God's people, teach them God's word, point them to Christ in all things. The Levites do have that kind of a role. You cannot offer your burnt offering at any place you see. The pagans do that. But instead, the place where God chooses, which again is the temple in Jerusalem, which will be of one of your tribes, that is the tribe of Judah. Verses 15 and 20 both introduce paragraphs that seem strikingly similar, and really they are, so let's just cover it all together. Genesis 9, God gave Israel permission to eat meat. So go ahead, eat meat as much as you like. According to the blessing of Yahweh, it is a gift. So you're not going to make a vegetarian case from Scripture, especially not a vegan case from Scripture. It's not to say we abuse the animals, but the Lord has given us permission to eat them, Old Testament and New Testament alike. So what's going on here? Well, at first, it's a reference simply to eating meat. The unclean and the clean may eat of it. So in your city, in your town, you can kill an animal, you can eat that meat. That's fine. Don't eat the blood. That's Leviticus chapter 17. Let me go to those verses here real quick. Verses 11 and 14. I'm just going to skip what's in between. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. 
The life of every creature is its blood. Its blood is its life. Therefore, I have said to the people of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any creature, for the life of every creature is its blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. The Lord connects life to blood. And so instead of eating the blood, eating the life of the animal, we pour the blood out on the ground. We return the life of the beast to the Lord, and we ourselves then get to partake of the meat. That's the kind of picture being given here. What you can't eat whenever you want, wherever you want, as you please, however, would be meat that has been sacrificed. That is connected to the temple. It must be eaten in connection with that. And you can read all about those things in the book of Leviticus, really all the way through those first seven chapters or so. Who gets to eat what, when, where, how, how are the Levitical families fed, and so forth. Instead, skipping down a little bit, you shall rejoice before Yahweh your God in all that you undertake. We see that often in the New Testament as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. 1 Corinthians 10 Verse 31 tells us that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. Rejoice before Yahweh in all that you undertake, in all things. In verse 19, take care that you do not neglect the Levite as long as you live in your land. They don't have land. They can't raise the livestock and crop that you can. Make sure they're fed. They're going to feed you God's word. You make sure their bellies are full. That's the trade. Care for them. They'll care for you. Each in his own way. Just as we're not all the same within a household, a family, we're all different in the body of Christ, family of God as well. We care for each other using the different gifts that the Lord gives. What makes the second paragraph different is the first phrase, when Yahweh your God enlarges your territory as he has promised. That goes back to chapter 10, sorry, chapter 11, Uh, verse 23, 24, talking about the boundaries and how they'll be vast. It's going to be hard to get to Jerusalem if you're living at the edge of the kingdom. So what do you do? Well, again, just reiterates, most of the time, if you're hungry for meat, you're not going to go to the temple and sacrifice. Just slaughter an animal, treat it appropriately, have your meat. All is good. However, they are still going to be required to go to the temple to offer offerings. So that's covered in a similar way to that above. The pattern of the offering is a little bit more drawn out here. Again, you can read so much more about it in Leviticus, whether they would pour out the blood on the altar and so forth. Verse 29, When Yahweh cuts off the nations before you, do not be ensnared to follow them. This seems to make sense. Their way of life led to death. It led to God's judgment. Why would you want to follow that? And yet, even today, we still do. God shows us what is evil, and yet our hearts are still inclined to it. So a family conversation could follow this. Why do we still want to do evil? Why do we still want to follow people whose ways lead only to death? 
that is so much the way of the world. Even things we don't think about. I've mentioned entertainment already in the episode. Most of our entertainers are living lives leading to death. And yet we follow them. We make them our heroes. They're not heroes. At least not good ones. They are the blind leading the blind and will only end in the pit. Our heroes should be the people of faith. Think of who taught you the faith. Make that person a hero in your life. Think of who it is that has served as a mentor to you. Or if you know someone who is suffering for Christ right now, see them as a hero. Seek to imitate their life, not the life of those who, again, are leading to despair and destruction. It looks pretty. It looks really good right now. And we want it because we're sinful. We want that luxury. We want that trophy. We want whatever. But it all perishes. It all dies. That's the caution again. Do not inquire about their gods. How did these nations serve their gods that I may do the same? The Lord knows the sinful nature. He knows that we will chase after even the things that lead to death. He warns us. They do every abominable thing that Yahweh hates. They even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Molech and Kamash, a couple of pagan gods from the Old Testament times that were in that region, that people worshipped in that region, I should say, and that included child sacrifice. And we recoil at that and say, how could they possibly do such a thing? What barbaric practice. Well, here we are. Luxurious America, first world country, whatever you want to call it, wealthiest, one of the wealthiest nations in the world, and yet a million children every year are killed by their parents because they don't want them, slaughtered in the womb before they even get to see the light of day. Abortion. Abortion is the worship of Molech and Kamash. It's alive and well today, just as it was back then. Instead of calling them Molech and Kamash, we call them sexual liberty and freedom. I should be able to have sex whenever I want, with whoever I want. It's my body, my choice. Gods. Goddesses? I don't even know which gender you would attribute to those ideas. We don't worship statues as much anymore. We worship other works of our own hands instead. Everything I command you, be careful to do. Do not add, do not take away. May the Lord have mercy on us, for we are sinners. Thanks be to God that in Jesus Christ, that is precisely what he's done. He has had mercy. He has shown mercy. He has forgiven all of us. He has even forgiven those people for burning their sons and their daughters in the fire. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Amen.